Creative Babble. Hey guys, before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know that I dropped a bonus episode on the Stalker series. You can find it on Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts. It's under season 13, or you could find it on Patreon. This was part of the story that I didn't include into the main series, but as time went on, it became clear that that this tells a lot about the people involved in this story. Plus, I will update you on the trial. And that's not all. When it rains, it pours. Later on this week, I will post another bombshell of a bonus episode on The Stalker. It's with somebody who lived in the Fernandez's house for five years. This fly on the wall is about to tell all. And I'm telling you guys, it is wild. So if you don't want to miss an update on The Stalker, just follow me on Patreon or Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Here's the show. Ana Montes worked for the Pentagon by day and spied on the United States for Cuba by night. She did this for 17 years until she was finally caught. January of this year, 2023, Ana Montes was released from federal prison. But how could that be if she is one of the most dangerous female spies of all time in U.S. history? In today's episode, Jim Popkins, the author of Codename Blue Wren, walks us through how it all came crashing down for Ana Montes, and how her sister Lucy, who worked for the FBI, played a pivotal role in her downfall. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. So what happens if a spy gets caught? Well, they could be charged with all kinds of crimes, including treason, which is punishable by death. That fear had to weigh heavily on Ana Montes. If you think about it, you're living this big lie every day. You certainly can't tell your colleagues anything about it. You can't be honest. In her case, 
She couldn't tell her family, her whole family's in the FBI. So the only people that she could unburden herself with and talk freely with were her handlers. So meeting them every couple of weeks was a huge deal and something she would really look forward to. Ana even split up with her good friend and fellow Cuban spy, Marta Velasquez. Marta was the one who recruited Ana. They were like sisters. But in order to protect each other and not draw suspicion, they decided to go their separate ways. After graduate school, Marta also went to work for the government. She first worked for the Department of Transportation, and then she joined essentially the State Department and USAID. And she ended up traveling all over the world. She's still working secretly for the Cubans, but she's on the payroll of the U.S. State Department. At a certain point, the two women realized that they were vulnerable, just even knowing each other created a vulnerability. And they manufactured a breakup, if you will, between them. They told their family, they told their friends that they had had this big blow up, this big fight, and they were no longer talking. Lucy, on a sister, knew about this, was somewhat dubious at the time, but couldn't prove anything. It just seemed odd that out of the blue, that they would no longer get along. After the arrest, the FBI revealed that it was all a fiction because when Marta had her first child, the Cubans went out of their way to communicate that Anna. So clearly, these were two women who were still very much in each other's spheres, but were acting as if they had a falling out. So the Cubans went to Anna and told her about the birth of Martha's child, and that undercut the whole fake fight, basically. We describe Ana Montes as the most dangerous American spy that you've never heard of, but what was the most dangerous thing that she was able to communicate to the Cubans that actually put Americans or America at risk? Ana, I believe, was one of the most dangerous American spies, period, and I would argue the most dangerous female spy Jim says that, first of all, she spied on the U.S. for nearly two decades. God only knows what she told the Cubans during that time. He also says that Ana Montes revealed the true identities of Americans working undercover in Cuba. These are CIA agents taking huge risks, and she's putting a giant bullseye on their backs. Ana revealed their names to the Cubans, and there's one haunting email that was recovered on Ana's laptop from the Cubans saying, thank you so much for providing Mr. X's name. Well, we were waiting for him with open arms, which obviously is a haunting line. Anna also revealed a super secret stealth satellite that the U.S. had been using against Russia, China, Iran, and Cuba. She was briefed on it. She told the Cubans about it. It stopped operating as it should have after that, it cost billions of dollars to build. So that was a very big deal. There's a controversial case. When she was working in El Salvador, she went to a military base that the government ran called El Paraiso. And she spent a couple weeks there. And she got detailed briefings on the security environment at this base. A couple of days after she left El Salvador, 
There was a raid by the rebel forces, and an American Green Beret was killed. His name was Greg Fronius. Dozens of El Salvadorian forces were killed that day as well. In debriefings, Anna would say that this was the type of information that she would have shared with the Cubans, but she claimed that she couldn't recall ever meeting Fronius or if she had ever actually passed along security information to her Cuban handlers. This is really sensitive stuff because if she had said, oh yeah, I met Greg Fronius and I told the Cubans exactly where to attack, she could have had a, a murder rap added to her espionage charges. So she was very cautious about that. If investigators could prove that the information that Anamontes shared with the Cubans led to the death of Staff Sergeant Gregory Fronius and the dozens of other people killed in El Salvador, then they could have elevated the charges against her. But the Department of Justice didn't agree. They just didn't think they had enough information to add the additional charges against Anamontes. When we come back from the break, Ana Montes' sister Lucy is part of an FBI task force charged with exposing Cuban spies living in the U.S. And guess what? She's successful. More on that when we come back. Ana started getting cut off from her handlers at some point, right? Could you tell us about that? Just totally coincidentally, Lucy, who was a translator and mostly worked on drug cases in Miami for the FBI, she gets assigned to a unit that is looking for Cuban spies operating in South Florida. And it turns out this unit is successful. They find a whole nest of spies. It was called the WASP Network. And there were Cubans living in and around Miami the WASP network was trying to infiltrate U.S. military installations in Florida. And funny enough, Ana Montes' sister, Lucy, worked on that case. There were several arrests made, and the FBI seized a lot of information. And after this incident, the Cubans pulled back all their people. They said, it's too hot right now, so don't reach out to your different agents that you're responsible for. And so those were honest handlers. They were told no communication. There's a direct line between the work that Lucy was doing and now the psychological stress that it caused, you know, on behalf of the FBI for her sister back in Washington. Amazing. And obviously Lucy had no idea that Anna was a spy. Anna Montez Washington DC handlers were MIA. Suddenly, they're no longer meeting with Anna. She's pretty much on her own at this point. Obviously, she can't talk to her sister Lucy about this. And her spy friend Marta is gone. And the Cubans are nowhere to be found. Her paranoia and depression was consuming her. And she goes through a real psychological breakdown. She starts seeing a shrink in Washington. She starts taking some medication to deal with her stress. She's really having a rough time. She's showering for long, long periods. She starts eating only boiled, unseasoned potatoes. Lucy describes a birthday party. Anna is invited to Miami to Lucy's party. And Anna sits there among all of Lucy's friends, just a lump on a log, won't engage at all with anyone. She's clearly in a lot of distress. 
you're describing this tension. Lucy, without even realizing it, is pretty much destroying this network around her entire world is crumbling around her, and she doesn't realize that why her her sister Anna is feeling the way she is. So, how does this come to an end? I had said before, Hannah, when they the girls were young, they were so close, and Anna really took care of Lucy. Well, as Anna's spy career took off, and Lucy sitting within the FBI, their relationship just became more and more strained. They had very little to talk about, and Anna would reveal almost nothing to her, certainly nothing about her job, but nothing even personally. So the two sisters really grew estranged. After 17 years of getting away with it, time was running out for Anna Montez. Ten days after 9-11, Anna was arrested by the FBI. Lucy gets a tap on the shoulder and is asked to come to her boss's office. And she assumes, oh man, this must be a big one. It must have to do with 9-11. The last thing Lucy expected was that they were going to tell her that her sister was a spy for Cuba. I'm getting called in to help on a 9-11 case. She's seated in her boss's office and they look at her and say, Lucy, I don't know how to tell you this. But your sister, Anna, is a spy. She's a spy working for Cuba. We've just arrested her in Washington. Lucy had the most bizarre reaction. Of course, she was upset, thought, if this is true, I can't even imagine anything worse that my sister could do. But her other immediate reaction was relief. She felt relief that at least this maybe would be an explanation for why her sister had become so bizarre and why their relationship was so fractured. So it was a mixture that day, a lot of tears, a lot of anger, and also an odd sense of relief. I can't imagine. It's like you can't put your finger on it and all of a sudden, aha. But could you also describe the actual arrest for Anamontes? So Anna is working at DIA. She's incredibly successful. Very few people have any doubts about her whatsoever. So how did it happen? How did the U.S. government figure it all out? But what happens is, actually, as a result of that WASP case, the FBI gets a hold of these codes, essentially, crypto codes that help them decode communications on shortwave radio between Havana and the United States. And the NSA gets these code-breaking tools and they start listening to these shortwave radio transmissions again. And finally, they're able to crack the code. By the way, this is old-school World War II spying technology. We're talking about shortwave radios with someone sitting in Havana in an audio booth reading a series of numbers in Spanish, 150 digits repeated one after another. It's meaningless unless you have the code. So the NSA gets these codes, and they're able to figure out what the Cubans have been saying with their various agents in America. And they keep reading about 
a mysterious Agent S. And brilliant analyst, a Cuban-American analyst, I call her Elena in the book. She asked me to use a pseudonym. She realizes Agent S, based on the clues and the information that she has, got to be a pretty senior person within the U.S. intelligence community. Elena doesn't know if she works at CIA, at the Defense Department. She has no idea. But there's a lot of very specific information that she has, including some travel by Agent S that she wants to provide to the FBI. Elena and her boss brief the FBI in 1998 and give them detailed information. She assumes that the FBI is furiously working on this, and the arrest is going to happen any day now. Elena gets frustrated because she doesn't hear anything back from the FBI. And at one point, she's told erroneously that the case is closed and she goes nuts. And even though the FBI didn't want this to happen, she goes behind their back and tells this information about an open FBI investigation of a Cuban spy to investigators at the DIA. Elena told the DIA about the senior government official working for the Cubans. Remember, Ana Montes works at the DIA. But the DIA folks listen to the clues that Elena has provided from the NSA, and they enter it into their computers, their database. And in hours, Ana's name pops up. She becomes a suspect right away. One of the clues that the NSA provided was that Agent S, this is an unidentified subject or an unsub case, has visited Guantanamo Bay within just a couple week period. And so DIA, they have these records easily accessible and they're able to figure out who was at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba at this time period. And Ana Montes' name pops up. A DIA investigator named Scott Carmichael had already been alerted to Ana and had actually interviewed her years prior in 1996. He found her to be deceptive then, but just couldn't do anything about it. So now, this is four years after that interview, he sees her name pop up once again. He starts to pull on that thread. And that was a clue for him that Ana Montes could actually be the Cuban spy without the approval of the FBI. Ultimately, DIA is able to pull together enough facts that clearly link Agent S to Ana Montes, and they present the information to the FBI. At first, the FBI didn't buy it. They point out that in the Cuban communications, they referred to Agent S 70% of the time as a he, and it is very unusual that there would be a female spy. It's only about 9-10% to 10 chance in modern times that spies in America have been women. So the FBI was skeptical about it, but they ultimately look at the evidence and they agree that there's enough to open a full-field investigation against Ana Montes. The FBI jumps in with two feet on this. They assign a lot of agents to it. They even get special court authority to enter Ana's apartment surreptitiously. And when they do the first time, this solved the case for them. They find Anna's Toshiba laptop. They knew the Cubans had provided her. And 
they do a mirror image of her hard drive without disturbing even the dust in the apartment. That's how good they are at this. A couple days later, they get the translated contents of the hard drive, and it's clear that Anna is a spy. She's been communicating back and forth with Havana, and that's where there are these messages, including, thank you for telling us the name of the American. We're waiting for him with open arms. So once the FBI absolutely knew that Anna was Agent S and that she was a Cuban spy working within the U.S. military, they continued to follow her. As you can imagine, they observed many suspicious behaviors. She's making short calls on payphones, even though she has a cell phone in her purse. She's calling pager numbers that are clearly associated with the Cubans. They're waiting for her to have contact with a Cuban handler, and maybe they can see her pass a disc. That would be a slam dunk for them. In the same way that the, with Robert Hansen, he was caught passing classified information to the Russians. But they ran out of time. 9-11 happens. Anna is still working within DIA. She's kept there, even though the agency knows that she's a suspected spy. And after 9-11, the director of DIA says, this is it. He pulls the plug. He said, I've humored you long enough, FBI. I've kept a suspected Cuban spy within my agency, but now it's 9-11. The DIA was responsible for the war planning against the Taliban in Afghanistan. So the director of the DIA decided to force the FBI's hand. On Friday, September 21st, 10 days after 9-11, he said, you either arrest her or I'm going to fire her. And that's what happened. Anna goes to work that day like a normal day. She's in her office. DIA comes up with a ruse to get her down to a conference room, a floor below her. And she walks in to this conference room thinking that she's got to deal with a small employee issue. And in the conference room is seated the two main FBI case agents who've been working on this case for a long time. They try their best to get her to talk. They even mention that they know that her family members work for the FBI and they imply that maybe they're involved with this too. But Anna will have none of it. She asks for a lawyer, is cool as a cucumber. The DIA had pre-positioned a nurse, a wheelchair, and CPR equipment. They were that worried that Anna maybe would have a heart attack or faint. Anna showed almost no emotion and walked out of that room in handcuffs with her shoulders held high. Ana Montes pled guilty and she cooperated with the government in exchange for a lighter sentence. Ana ended up serving 21 of the 25-year sentence and she was released on January 6 of 2023. Now Ana's released from prison. And what is her relationship like with her sister? What happened? She immediately flew to Puerto Rico where she has family and particularly a cousin who's very supportive of her. She issued a statement at that time that was unapologetic and pointed out the evils of the U.S. embargo against Cuba. This presents a predicament of sorts for Lucy and for the 
Montez family members was one thing when Anna was in prison. She's out now. She's on probation, but she's free. Lucy has had a very difficult and strained relationship with Anna, as you would imagine, since she was arrested. And now she's out. So Lucy is trying her best. She's in the middle here. She feels like her sister betrayed the family and betrayed the nation. And yet she's done her time. So basically, she's in a tough spot. She's trying to figure out how to be a sister to someone who was a spy and let down the family. Can't even imagine how conflicted she must be. At the end of the day, I'm trying to imagine my brother were a spy or a criminal in general. They're still family, right? How do you rebuild that relationship? Some people throw around the treason word like, oh, well, that should be treason, right? But it's much more complicated than that, right? The death penalty was on the table for her. That was a possibility, and she could have been charged with that. Robert Hansen is sitting in prison doing a life sentence at Supermax. So is Rick Eames, who was with the CIA and spied on behalf of Russia. Anna is fortunate in that she only got a 25-year sentence and ended up serving just 21 years. But having said that, she was in a very tough women's prison in Texas with some of the most dangerous and in some cases psychotic prisoners in the federal system. So she did some hard time. But yeah, I've heard many people criticize her sentence as being way too lenient. So what do you think? Are you surprised that Ana Montes was released from prison? Again, I grew up in Miami in the 80s, and even today, I'm sure there are many Cuban spies living amongst us, and we just have no idea. It's it's part of the culture, right? The Cold War culture that has come out of Cuba and spying on the U.S. And even when I visited Cuba, I remember that even within the neighborhood where I was staying with my family, you just never knew who the mole was. Of course, things aren't as tense with Cuba and the U.S. as they were back in the 80s and in the 60s, but it's definitely an unfinished story. I'd like to thank Jim Popkins for coming on today. His book is called Codename Blue Wren. That was the actual codename for Ana Montes' case. You can find his book on Amazon, Apple Bookstores. I'll have a link in the show notes. If you have a really interesting story that would fit with the pretend theme, it could be about con artists, it could be about deception, it could even be a positive story about pretending, send it my way. My email is javier at pretendradio.org. I love getting emails from my listeners, so even if you don't have a story idea and you just want to say hey, please feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. Again, if you want early episodes, ad-free, check out Apple Podcasts on Pretend Plus, or you could subscribe to Patreon where you can get early ad-free episodes, plus you get t-shirts, stickers, and all that good stuff. And Patreon has become a great place to discuss the case. I also have a Facebook group where you could talk about today's episode or at the Stalker or any, any episode that you discover that you want to talk about or if you want to post an idea a really interesting article that you see online search for the pretend facebook group i'll have a link to that in the show notes as well and of course you could always find us on youtube at pretend pod twitter at pretend pod instagram and tiktok at pretend pod so 
come uh, stop by the socials and say hi. All right. Well, that's all I have for today. And we'll talk next week. Creative back.